Hi, and thanks so much for joining us at Tycor Title Tuesdays at 2. I'm Ryan Pulliam. Well, as we heard a few weeks back, Adam Thurgood kind of gave us a little bit of an update on what the stock market was doing. And we kind of found a disconnect that Wall Street doesn't always mirror what Main Street is, is, is happening. And in our instance today, Wall Street may not mirror what Water Street is doing. Because today on the show, we actually have the owner of the Gold Mine Tavern down on old historic Water Street in downtown Henderson. But she also is a real estate investor. So I thought we could kill two birds with one stone a friend of mine who i've known for over 20 years i'm excited to welcome samantha bonneville from swg realty group as well as the owner of the gold mine tavern so sam thanks so much for joining us at tycor title tuesdays at two thank you for inviting uh, me and I, I appreciate you were wearing your uh, you're wearing your unlv cap yeah, so totally i go, go rebels from college. That's exactly it. So, Sam, you guys got into the, 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 you know, the kind of the fixer-upper market long before Chip and JoJo made it seem like it was a seamless process. What kind of drew you to that, and, and what really was your story about getting into uh, fixing up properties and then reselling them? So, I was an REO broker, and which means I sold houses for banks if they were foreclosures, and we essentially had to rehab the houses for the banks. And I thought, well, if I'm already coordinating it for the banks and I'm learning everything on their dime about what baseboards would cost and carpets would cost and paint colors, then we should be able to do that on our own. So my very first one I bought on an online auction, I think I scared my husband. So I was like, oh, and it was $25,000 at the time, you can imagine. <laughs> um, and, I, and I clicked submit and we, we bought it. And I was like, well, worst case scenario, we'll use CNRs to get out of it. And that was our first flip, and we caught the bug ever since then. That's awesome. And then um, what kind of, when you did start, I mean, obviously the REO boom was back in the, the late 2000s. What mm -hmm. has changed since you kind of moved forward from, from that aspect? And over the last few years, what have you seen the biggest change in that investor uh, fix and flip market or rehab market? The margins have gotten a lot tighter, especially after AB 284 was passed in our state that slowed down the foreclosure process. So there was a lot of zombie houses which still exist in the market, which gave rise to the HOA foreclosures, mm -hmm. um, where the banks still haven't foreclosed on a lot of houses. Um, if or when that inventory will ever get processed, I'm not sure. And then we had more demand. So our margins got a lot smaller in our state and we had to make them look beautiful. Like it just couldn't be new paint. You had to have new beadboard. You couldn't just do granite, now you had to do court. So everything you had to improve your game to compete, because before we were just competing with the banks, now we're competing with everybody and we have interior designers and consultants and the you know, houses are truly beautiful for the price that you're paying for them. And one of the areas that you've, you've really kind of done a, f a few homes, and I've been able to see a bunch of them, and they've, you've done an amazing job. Is down in the McNeil Estates. It's one of uh, one of my one of my favorite neighborhoods in town, and uh, I love how you guys have kind of adopted that neighborhood to to um, to really kind of gentrify that, if that's a term that mm -hmm. I could even use. I don't know. But you guys just aren't in Las Vegas. You've actually expanded out to other parts of the country. So where exactly all do you invest and what do you look for in a market where you're going to say, okay, this is where we're going to jump in and we're going to uh, we're going to try to get some properties in a certain uh, area? So we like to look at the margin of what we can buy it for versus what we can sell it for. Um, we were in Texas and then after Hurricane Harvey, the labor market just dried up because laborers can make so much more money on an insurance job than they could with an investor deal. Um, so we pulled out of Texas. We are in the Cleveland and Cincinnati areas, um, especially for 
uh, rentals in those areas, it's crazy because you can buy a rental property there for what your down payment is on a house in Las Vegas. Um, we were also in Alabama and in Memphis. And again, some of those houses are just so cheap to even start with. So what you would pay in Las Vegas for your down payment, you can get the whole job done. Um, and then we've also moved to some Midwestern like Missouri, St. Louis, Chicago. And we're just having much better luck at those markets. Now the properties need a lot more work than they do here. Um, so you also have to find good contractors. We call REO agents to start with because they generally have a database of contractors and then we'll even go on Angie's list and other avenues to find like Thumbtack to find contractors. And so is it, I mean, you're, when you're relying upon other folks and you're not, you know, kind of have boots on the ground in those markets, <laughs> is, it, is it any different for you guys in how comfortable you feel moving forward on a deal? Because I remember, I mean, one time I was in, I was in Cincinnati and I had to go look at a property for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we try to go with realtors that we know and trust who we knew from the REO world or build a relationship with them. Um, and then if they just FaceTime you, it's no different than if you were trying to buy a house in Las Vegas and you relied on your realtor to do it for you and FaceTime you and do three floor plans. Except for we're just deciding to fix it up. So I had to learn about basements and pump sumps and all kinds of fun things about flooding and foundations that we don't have here. Um, but once we got past that learning curve, it got to be a lot easier. And in Texas, every house, you have to replace the roof every year and the foundation. Every, every time you flip it, you've got to replace those things. And those are things in our market. You never replace the foundation or fix the foundation or, or fix the roof. So there's definitely some interesting uh, tweaks in, in different markets. So speaking, coming back into the Las Vegas market, um, with you know inventory still being relatively low, consider considering what we're going through, and builder mentality. I, I know that sentiment was up a little bit, but maybe the activity um, at the builder and the new home communities aren't as active. Do you think people are going to start looking for kind of more infill properties and maybe properties that have been? fixed up and renovated because it's virtually new if everything inside it's new, right? And what do you kind of think that looks like for our market? I think we're going to have a lack of inventory, um, especially after COVID with foreclosures stopping and whether or not the, if they're in forbearance, if they're going to have to get refiled. Um, so that will be interesting. In downtown Henderson, where the gold mine is, you're seeing a lot of teardowns and rebuilds in some of the state streets and the, um, the older houses by the um, city hall. So that will be a good idea to see if that will work in other parts of our market, if the land is that valuable where it makes sense to rebuild. And they also have more lenient laws. So you can do a duplex or a threeplex on a lot of those lots where in the county and the city, you can't necessarily do that. That's, a, that's interesting. Well, and Cynthia, since you brought up the gold mine, I think it's a good time to be able to pivot. So you are a, a small business owner. I mean, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're the folks who've, who've been hit hard because of the shelter in place. So you were not, uh, the gold mine tavern was not able to open during the phase one reopening plan, correct? Correct. Um, based on our license type, so we are working with the city of Henderson to, um, to just kind of show it from our point of view because other businesses with similar license types have been able to open so hopefully by the first of the month we'll be we'll be able to open even though gaming won't be open but we can still serve drinks and serve food and and operate and show people a good time even though they're socially distant so they can wait for their friends across the bar and I think the, the, the big holdup, I mean, even though it's a, it's a tavern and you hold a tavern like the big holdup was that uh, you kind of you're 
your food serving is a little is a, a, a little I, mean, I wouldn't say a little it's it's unique correct and yeah. that was what the hold up yeah, was so yeah so we bought a food truck um so we could get food into the building because it hadn't served food before we bought it for a long time and we thought that that's what was something that was needed that we could do as a band-aid while we worked on getting plans approved and what the feel of the city is going to be um or the street sorry because the street's getting completely rehabbed with the um new ahl stadium all the parts. i think there's about five high-rise projects that are going on the street so we kind of wanted to see what everything else was going to look like before we put our plans in um so because it's a food truck even though it's attached to the building we're um having that debate with the city if it's considered a permanent kitchen or not a permanent kitchen so aside from just the regular rigmarole you have to jump through just to, to try to get approved through the COVID, now you're actually having to kind of fight with a local municipality to try to figure out you know what exactly is is going on in in your situation yeah. interesting yeah so now, obviously, you kind of talked about how gaming wasn't going to be a part of even a phase two reopen. I'm not to get too much into your P&Ls, but I'm assuming that gaming is a is a major revenue producer for you. It actually isn't um, for our particular tavern. I know many tavern owners it is. We were able to increase our um, drinks and food. And, of course, we have live music on Friday and Saturday. We did. So we had increased by um, fourfold what the revenue was. So gaming was less than 50% of our revenue. Um, and some months, you know, depending if it's a win or a loss, it, it was, it could have been a negative factor if, you know, some people had some jackpots. Um, but our bread and butter was actually drinks and food. Well, it's kind of neat how you've been able to transition that place because when you, when you bought it from, from the previous owner, it was, a, it was a biker bar, is that correct? They had transitioned it. In the past past, it had been a biker bar and it still has that reputation. Um, the previous owners, I think each level of owners have been able to expand on it. So the people we bought it from put it in a patio and they added the live music element. Um, and they had started the process of cleaning up. And I think we just took their vision and went a little bit further um, with adding food and doing a remodel on the inside. Because again, remodeling is our, our bread and butter for the real estate market. So we had to cruise and the availability to make the inside look a little bit more inviting and, and more updated. Gotcha. So now what precautions have you guys had to put into place in order for you to, to, to think about opening back up? Because I mean, I'm assuming you guys are at least going through the motions, uh, depending upon when you guys mm -hmm. get the okay. Well, we certainly are going to encourage our, our customers to sit outside with this great weather. It's not 115. Um, and we're moving our tables for their part. Our, um, our employees will have to wear masks. We'll be disinfecting as much as possible. Um, it's an older bar, so we'll, you know, have to wipe down like maybe once an hour or once every half hour all of the like door handles and fixtures and, and anything else that people will touch so and you, you've talked, talked about a couple of your neighbors down on water street what do you think that you know yourself um being a being a small business owner with a tavern i know there's some shops and other restaurants down there mm -hmm. what are some of the, the the bigger struggles for you guys going forward to try to reopen I think we will have more demand than we will have the space. So the occupancy puts a, a limit on what we can actually generate. And most businesses are set up to be successful at like 80, 75, 80% of their occupancy. So if you're limiting to how many people we can serve, then you know, we're in discussions like, do we have a minimum you know, drink order or do we have to raise prices? Um, and that's not something we wanted to do because we, we prefer to have more value for our customers. Um, but the 
bars around us have been really, really busy, and I think people want to get out, especially in Henderson, where it hasn't, there hasn't really been any cases out there, um, that there's more demand and we will have space to fill. And is there any, uh, any thought process on when the live music can happen? I mean, can you I guess what's the difference between, you know, like a, a concert venue? I mean, you know, you're at a concert mm -hmm. venue, but having that stage and having folks kind of being around, where do they draw that line between a restaurant that serves food and may have somebody playing guitar live? Then, okay, is there a band? I mean, are there any restrictions placed on what, how big of a band it could be that's playing? We haven't seen that come in yet. Um, we were going to open with acoustic acts, um, you know, maybe one or two band members, sometimes three, you can have it. And they have a stage where they're actually, it's a big stage, so they're away from each other and they can still entertain. Um, so it's also just making sure they're comfortable with it, because not all artists were comfortable with playing. Um, and that we can sit people on the outside, like on the sidewalks and in front of our bar as well, so that they can enjoy the music and um, still be socially distanced from each other. And so have you have you thought about, because, you know, people think of a bar, I go and I, I kind of hang out. It's not like I have mm -hmm. a meal and then I'm finished with my meal and then I, I get up and leave. Are you, are you taking, res would you be taking reservations or how do you make sure that you can kind of turn and burn enough to where you're meeting the demand and there's going to be, but you're still under that capacity of, of the 50%. I mean, is there a time limit or how do you guys uh, look to handle that? I don't think we'll put time limits in. I mean, we'll just see when we open up, because um, our most of our people will stay for you know four or five hours. It will get to be: Do we need to charge a certain amount if you're going to sit there? Because if you if you have a party of four, if it's you and the people that you're quarantining with at the table, if you guys are continuously ordering um, and you're enjoying a show, then I think we're okay with it as long as we don't have other people waiting. And we're just trying to be creative, like. We own the sidewalk in front of our building, so we should be able to sit people in front of our building as well. Um, and we should be able to sit people on our beer rail that's outside and then inside. So we don't want to keep people out. I just, I don't like the rules and I think that makes it an unfun experience. Um, and we don't want to change their behavior either, that they're used to only going out for two hours. If they used to come out for four hours, we want to keep that rhythm going. Gotcha. Well, exciting stuff. Well, Sam, obviously, I, I've promised you this before, and as soon as uh, I'm able to, I'm going to come down and I'm going to have a drink at the Gold Mine Tavern down on Water Street. So, uh, any we'll other party? What'd you say? Said I will buy a fancy liquor for you. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that. Any any parting thoughts you want to instill on our audience? No, just please come out to Water Street because it is completely revitalized from when you and I were growing up. Awesome. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today at Tyco Title Tuesdays at 2. We really appreciate your insight on not just the investment side of the business, but the small business and being an entrepreneur and uh, getting that tavern up and running. So we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Bowen. Absolutely. Well, that will conclude the fastest 15 minutes in real estate. I want to thank our producer, Rick Manning, down at Rigel's Studios. A reminder, please stay safe and stay healthy. We will be back next week, but until then, we'll continue to be the most resourceful people in town.